Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Kenny Hansen, founder of MentorPass, a website that provides exclusive access to the world's top professionals, allowing you to have one-on-one mentorship sessions with leaders in their respected industries. Listen as Kenny shares his extensive consulting background into now building MentorPass as it is today. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Kenny Hansen of MentorPass. Kenny, thank you so much for joining me today. Cameron, thank you so much for having me. Of course. Well, I'd like to start out with uh, your upbringing. So uh, where did you grow up and what would you say your childhood was like? I grew up in the town that I'm currently sitting in, which is Reston, Virginia, uh, <laughs> which is about 30 minutes outside of Washington, D.C. Um, and my parents actually met in the Marine Corps. So that was the the, the backdrop on everything. And um, I, I think the most influential experience of my childhood or upbringing, uh, was my dad's rise and fall and now rise again. And, yeah. uh, he came from very humble beginnings and built a very successful career in consulting and built a, a very big consulting business that was doing very well. Mm-hmm. And, um, he had so much success that it started to go to his head and he, put in a new CEO of the company. And at the time we had a really amazing life. We were taking limos to wizards games every night, bringing wow. clients out to fancy dinners. And I saw the really like the beautiful side of entrepreneurship and success. And then over a number of years, my parents split up, my dad's drinking got really bad and, mm. and all of that success kind of went away as his company started to, to crumble as his addiction with alcohol got worse. And wow. so, um, that really impacted me. I was very distracted at, at school. I ended up failing out of high school. And mm. after my senior year football season, I was just not really interested. I went, went just enough to be able to play in the cross games. And outside of yeah. that, I was, I was not really interested in academics. And so, um, you know, the, the, the challenges and the adversities that I went through as a teenager really taught me some, some valuable lessons that, yeah have helped me get to where I am today. So it was hard, but it was worth it. I'm sure, yeah. Interesting, I'm curious, um, growing up, say, going through high school, what were some of your interests then? You were in athletics, but along with that, did your parents, their careers, did they have an impact on what you wanted to do, or what were some of your interests at that time? Yeah, the biggest one was sports. I, yeah. I played football, basketball, lacrosse, and um, you know we were we were really good in, in all sports. and. Um, and so that was most of my my interest. And other than that, I was interested in in partying and having fun and things like that. And so it wasn't the most wholesome uh, set of interest as a teenager. I think as I, I transitioned and I went to a community college and, and started to do everything like that, I got more interested in academics and, and things like that. But as a teenager in high school, I was really uh, not into, I was just trying to get by. Um, yeah. And I think that you know, as I mentioned, my dad built a successful consulting business and that definitely caught my eye. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized that if I worked hard and I, I took risks and, and worked for myself, that I could build a really great life for my family. Mm-hmm. And what was so great was because of my parents' background in the Marine Corps, even though my dad was going through challenging times, he taught me really, really good lessons. And yeah. so while some of the ups and downs happened, he taught me when I was, you know, just a few years old, um, you know, if you see a dollar on the ground, you don't pick it up because it's not yours and you don't take things that aren't yours. And yeah. he taught me when I was a young kid, 
revenue minus expense equals profit. Like he was teaching me these foundational lessons that I really appreciate so much. And I had unconditional love and everything like that. Um, And so I I, I learned a lot of great lessons from him and my mom. And I definitely saw what a life of entrepreneurship could give you. Um, Mm -hmm. But personally, I was very distracted and and, uh, was more interested in having fun than really being serious with or anything like that. For sure. So I saw you went on to study at Virginia Tech. Um, what did you go on to study? And at this point, was it still focused on fun? What, bring me through your college kind of journey and your interest at that time and how it shaped. So that's right when my transition happened. Um, mm-hmm. my, my senior year, I, I stopped going to school my last semester. I didn't get my, my high school diploma. And then um, that's when family life was really tough. And then my first semester in college, I went to a community college. I didn't get into a single college because I didn't graduate high school. So I was able to go to a community college called New River Community College, which is uh, right outside of Blacksburg. So I was living in the town where Virginia Tech is. I was surrounded by Virginia Tech people, but I was going to a community college. And my first semester at community college, I got a Um, 4.0. And so that's right when things changed. I was in a new environment. I was around people that really valued academics and i started to study and actually put forth effort for the first time in my career so i ended up going to that community college for two years i got my associate's degree and then i transferred to virginia tech Um, and that's where you know those four years when i was living in blacksburg that's when my life really changed Um, and i went from that that guy that a lot of people call the lost cause in high school to coming out of virginia tech i had you know great salary uh, going into consulting and, and I was wearing, I'd started working at a suit shop. I was wearing a suit and tie every day, <laughs> changed my name from Kenny to Kenneth. Yeah. I, I, you know, built this big consulting club and people called me consulting club, Kenneth and all this <laughs> stuff. And so I really turned my life around in Blacksburg, Virginia, um, became very, uh, academically driven, graduated with honors, student leader, really networking and things like that there. Wow. Studied business information technology, which was a great uh, a g- great um, degree to go into consulting with, which is where I eventually landed. Yeah, I think that's really cool. As how you, some, most of your resume kind of leads up exactly this point of mentor pass. If you can bring us to graduation, um, what kind of jobs were you working? I know you went, got into consulting specifically in tech. Um, what kind of jobs were those, and uh, kind of bring us through that? So I was. I mean, I guess you could. You could call me a consulting junkie. Yeah. I, I um, interned at Northrop Grumman, which is a big defense contractor. And then I went to Deloitte and then I went to PwC. And then I eventually took a full time job at Accenture. And while I was at Virginia Tech, I, I grew a, a consulting club from, I think, you know, 20 people to 90 people and, and really professionalized that quite a bit. And so everything about my life was revolving around consulting, which, like I said, that's what my dad did. Um, and, and so right when I graduated from Virginia tech, I started full-time with Accenture, which is the biggest and and best consulting firm in the world. And, um, I, I spent five and a half years there. My, my first week out of college, um, we went, actually, we we did training for two weeks. And then as soon as I was done with that training, I got put on to the most epic consulting project I'll say of all time. Yeah. It was the turnaround of a website called healthcare.gov. And you might be wow. young to you know yeah. remember this, but um, it was the Obamacare website, and wow. it was all over the news that while Obama's 
big legislation was to do this um, digital health platform, the website didn't work because the in initial consulting company that they had hired couldn't, couldn't figure things out. Mm. So they brought Accenture in to turn this website around. And here I am, 22 years old, just out of college, don't know anything. And I get staffed on the project. And so it's like day one, we're in the war room. They're basically, they give us this big pregame speech. Wow. I remember my manager at the time, he said, you're going to work harder than you could ever imagine. But if we succeed, you'll be able to write the rest of your resume. Just basically saying it's going to be a lot of hard work. But if we yeah. get this right, you know, your, your career is going to be made. And that's what happened. We turned it around over the next two and a half years. And wow. um, it, it really launched my career from there where I had a great network and I had a great you know, resume within Accenture because I, sure. uh, I was on that project. So I, I spent five and a half years there. And then that's when I started to make my transition into entrepreneurship. Wow, that's that's incredible. Now, um, where does yeah, where does this intro to kind of entrepreneurship come, and what is some of your first ventures? Um, was Mentor Pass that first one, or what leads us up to entrepreneurship journey for you? Yeah, so I mean, taking a step back to to, to college, when I chose my major in college, I was deciding between finance and technology. Yeah, and I went with technology because I knew that one day I wanted to become an entrepreneur. And so I said, if I do technology, I'll go into consulting. Consulting will give me a really good foundation to eventually build my own business. Yep. I spent the five and a half years in consulting. I totally forgot about the entrepreneurship thing. And then one day I woke up and I was like, wait, this was supposed to be a stepping stone. Yeah. And here I am chasing the next promotion, everything like that. And I finally lifted my head up and I said, remember the vision. The vision, the vision is to go build your own companies and things like that. And so... I, I started, you know, about a year before I left, I started to remember that I wanted my next step to be entrepreneurship. I think mm -hmm. that the lifestyle that entrepreneurship can give you yeah. is different. Some would say better. Some would just say different. Um, I, I wanted to be able to kind of retire young. I wanted to be able to spend time with my kids when I was raising them. And I saw a lot of people that are very successful and they grow up in these big consulting firms and all the way through, you know, it, well into their fifties, they're still grinding 60 hours a week. Yep. I wanted to do a thing, live life on my terms a little bit more. And so, um, I decided I wanted to start a company and then I, I sat with myself for a couple of weeks and I said, I know I want to build a business. I don't know what it's going to be. And so I asked myself this question every day for two weeks, if I could change anything in the world, what would it be? Yeah. And that's when I came back to the idea of mentorship and the reason why is because when I made that transition from high school to college, yeah, my mentors were the ones that helped me make that transition. For sure, it was my friends, my friends' dads, my football coaches, all of those people that were in my ear, showing me a different way. And I just saw how much value I got from all of those relationships throughout my life. And I was extremely privileged to have those mentors. Yeah, the town that I grew up in when I was uh, growing up, it was the wealthiest county in America. And so mm. I had all of these people around me that were CEOs of big companies and very successful people. Most people don't have that. Yeah. And so I basically said, I was privileged. How do I use my privilege to help lift other people up? Mm. And that's where I just became obsessed with mentorship. And I started looking at the systems that were in place. And I realized that there were no systems for mentorship. Yeah. And I eventually just iterated on it and, and came up with the business model for mentor pass and, and you know, made my transition out of Accenture and started working on the business. Ah, oh, that's incredible. If you don't mind, um, kind of get into describing to those who don't know what Mentor Pass is, and I would love to hear um, 
kind of who were those first mentors? What industries did you want to focus on specifically direct to consumer? Why is that kind of describe mentor pass for the listeners? Yeah, if you're familiar with a company called ClassPass, um, I would say that mentor pass is like ClassPass for mentors. Um, yeah. So if you're an entrepreneur, you can sign up. We have a subscription program that starts at $350 per month. When you sign up on that, you get 30 credits per month, and you can use those credits to book calls with different mentors on our platform. So we've had about 10,000 mentors that have applied to join. Wow. We've taken the best 250. So we've really focused on the best 1% at any skill. If you need digital marketing advice, if you need advertising advice, if you need supply chain, fundraising, product development, manufacturing, anything you need to build a business, we have the best mentors in the world for each one of those skills. So rather than outsourcing your whole entire business and saying, oh, you know, this company is going to do our email marketing and this agency is going to do our ads, you can build a team internally, which is a lot more cost effective, especially if you're bootstrapping a business mm -hmm. and you can just get advice from experts to level up the level of execution that you do. Yeah. So for us, we've got a, a very lean team and, and, you know, we're not experts in anything, but we have experts in everything that are advising us when it comes to customer success, when it comes to social media marketing, whatever it may be. Um, yeah. So yeah, we've, we've brought together some of the best entrepreneurs and, and experts in the world into one platform, and we've um, given pretty much anybody access to it uh, yeah. over time. We'll bring the price point down, we'll make it more accessible. But to start, we really are focused on entrepreneurs and, and businesses. Um, our ideal customer right now is doing uh, at least a few million dollars in revenue, yeah. um, and we're gonna continue to push up market there. But as we do that, we'll also launch lower price offerings um, that will make it more accessible for, let's say, a college student or somebody yeah. just out of college that doesn't quite have the revenue to support uh, a few thousand dollars a year in consulting spend. I hope you guys are enjoying Kenny's story so far. I wanted to stop and say thank you to our mid-break sponsor, OneText, a game-changing SMS service that helps top brands win more sales and connect with customers. Replace spammy campaigns with two-way conversations and text-to-buy quizzes that convert up to 16 times better. Customers sign up for our SMS campaigns that are typically promotion-driven. And that's what I like about OneText. It allows D2C companies to connect with their consumer at a conversational level outside of an automated flow that just goes one way. So make sure to try one text today by texting starting small to 620 slash one text, all capital 620 slash one text and enjoy the rest of the episode. I would love to hear when you launched mentor pass, who was that first mentor or who was that first panel of mentors and why did you lean towards them? So I'd say that the most influential mentor in the mentor pass journey is, is uh, a woman named Ann Malum. She started a company called solid core, mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, over a hundred studios, uh, throughout the nation. Now she just sold that. Um, but she was a friend of mine. We met, I was going to a fitness class and we met there in DC and we became friends and she became an incredible mentor of mine. And, um, I was talking to her about this business idea and she was the one that kind of called me on my BS and she said, it's a great idea. Like there's, there's nothing stopping you from doing it. Yeah. Are you just going to talk about it or are you actually going to do it? Yeah. And it was the first time that somebody had won the authority to make me believe that something was a good idea. Yeah. If all of my friends that have never started a business are like, that's a great idea. It doesn't really make me believe that. But here's someone who's built a hundred million dollar plus company that's looking at me and saying, that's a good business idea and validating it for me. Yeah. And then two, challenging me 
and not just allowing me to talk about this cool idea, but yeah. actually saying, are you going to do it? And if you're not going to do it, shut up and don't talk about it anymore. Yeah. And that is something that great mentors do. Great coaches do. They challenge you as well as lift you up. They don't let you, you know, if somebody doesn't care about you, they're, yeah. they're not going to challenge you. If somebody's yeah. a great mentor and they really care about your development, they're going to call you out every time you say something that's nonsense and they're yeah. going to push you to be better. So Anne was the first one that actually pushed me across the line to start the business. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to the first group of mentors, I think we had 23 people when we first launched, which was a year before our actual launch. Yeah. And they were just my friends. I mean, I was living. So the part of the story I missed um, when I left Accenture, I moved to Bali, Indonesia yeah. to drop my cost of living and be able to work on the business longer. So I had met a bunch of people in Bali. Wow. Some of them were successful entrepreneurs. Some of them were random digital marketers. It was like a scrapped together group of 20 people <laughs> that had some type of authority. Yeah. Um, and so there was no real rhyme or reason to it. There's kind of a year of the business that I call year zero, where we yeah. make zero good decisions, zero revenue, you know, it, nothing was working. And then yeah. after that, we launched in 2020 and that first year, you know, that's when things really started to work. But year zero, um, you know, nobody booked a call on the platform. The platform didn't really work. It was 20 <laughs> random people that, yeah. uh, that I had pulled together. So that was the first group. And then after time, we really started to narrow in on our target market, which is now consumer products yep. um, and have built out the group of mentors from there. Incredible. I'd love to hear um, kind of growing from that year zero into year one officially what were some of the main marketing strategies? I mean, you're pulling in zero mentorship calls at this time. So how do you do that? Do you refer on mentors to market themselves? How does that look at that time? Yeah. <clears throat> so the first year it was like, there's actually a funny story. I went to a dinner um, with a very, very successful entrepreneur that was making, you know, over $5 million a year in profit. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I'm this hotshot new entrepreneur. I've got this cool business. And the first question he asked me is, how are you going to get customers? And I just froze. I was like, oh my God. I'm like, here I am. I've got this great idea. And I don't know the first thing about customer acquisition. And I was like, oh, I don't know. We'll just talk about the business. And we didn't yeah. really have a real acquisition strategy. We were just trying to, you know, word of mouth will take off and everybody, everything like that. So nothing worked. And then eventually I, you know, I had about a thousand customer calls in that first in year zero. Yeah. And I was able to get a lot of feedback on why aren't you, you know, why aren't you interested in talking to this person or what about this? Or what do you think about the business model and mm. everything like that? And through all of the learning over those thousand, you know, customer discovery calls, that's when I took all of that learning. I recruited a co-founder who's my co-founder today. Yeah. And we rebuilt the entire platform went away from all the no-code stuff we were doing to validate the product and built a custom platform mm. with an entirely new business model. And um, and then when we launched there, we just started getting consistent with messaging. And the big thing between year zero and year one was in year one, we really started pushing our mentors to, to, to talk about it. And I got more active on Twitter um, mm. and we started to you know just create more content organically and get yeah. our mentors to really share about it. Um, and that's how we, we really got our first, you know, our first 20, 30 customers, they were totally random. They just, Oh, I saw your tweet over here. And then I, I clicked on the website and it looked cool and I tried it out. Um, so it was totally organic, like no, no real consistent funnel to it. The big inflection point in the business, um, 
was about three months into it. Yeah. I, uh, I was in Miami and I, I went out uh, to lunch with one of our customers, a guy named Jack that, that owns a company called Dura Dry. Yeah. And we went out and he said, Kenny, at this point he was paying us 300 bucks a month, had booked a couple of calls. He said, Kenny, I'm canceling my membership and I'm not going to restart it until I can pay you $2,000 a month and make it a good investment. And here I am thinking, this is totally counterintuitive. He's only paying me 300. Why does he want to pay me more money? Yeah. And he told me, he said, I don't want to work with just some random marketers. I want to talk to the best people in the world. And if you get me the best people in the world, I'll pay them a thousand, two thousand $2,000 an hour. I don't care how much they want. I just want the best insights in the world. Wow. And he gave me a list of five people. And he said, if you can get me one of these five people, I'll pay you $2,000 an hour. Wow. And at the top of that list was a guy named Nick Sharma. Yeah. And I knew, I knew that one of our existing mentors knew Nick Sharma. And I texted Alex, the existing mentor, who's the founder of Morning Brew. I texted yep. Alex and I said, I'll give you $500 in Bitcoin if you can get me a call with Nick Sharma. Two minutes later, he puts me on a text with Sharma and Nick's like, dude, I need this. I get hit up 10 times a day with people asking me for advice. I need a link to send them. So Nick comes on, Nick shares this in his newsletter, shares this on Twitter and the business just took off from there. I think we tripled our revenue within 30 days and then the whole entire consumer market started to gather around that. So wow. that was like year zero was nothing. Year one, we like started to get a little bit of traction with random customers. And then when Nick joined probably five, six months into the business, that's when things really started to take off. Wow, that's amazing. I would love to hear at this time. I'm sure it's transformed. It might not have, but how has the interface worked? So say someone logs on, they book a call. Does it take them to a Zoom call? For the listeners out there, can I describe that customer journey once they purchase a call? Yeah. So once when you sign up for uh, for any of our plans, we're going to take you through an onboarding journey. And the importance of that onboarding journey is all the data that we capture there is going to get built into a brand brief. And that brand brief is going to get sent to all of your mentors before the call. Mm. So we ask you things like, what's the mission of your company? What's your ideal customer persona? What are your key challenges? What are your core metrics? What are your objectives for this year? And so we have information about you and about the business. And then every time you book a call with any of the mentors, they're going to have that as a pre-read. So they come into the call, they've seen your website, they've seen your social media, everything like that. So that's the first part of the journey. After that, you're going to go into our discovery page where you can search through all 250 of the mentors that we have active right now. And you can search by anything. You can search by if you want to look for people that have done Sweet Green. We have the guy that built the brand at Sweet Green, Emmett wow. Stein. Um, you can look for Olipop. You can search for any company. You can search for any skill. You can look at, type in TikTok and find all of our different TikTok experts. So we've got a really intuitive and easy to use search functionality to find the right mentors. Mm. And then once you find the right mentor, you can uh, request the call with them. When you request the call, you fill out some additional information about that specific call. You also associate every single call with one of your OKRs or your objectives and key results. Mm -hmm. And the point is... This isn't a random, like one-off pick your brain. Yeah. All of our calls are designed to help drive your business forward and help drive the key results that you need to succeed in your business. Mm. So everything gets associated with an OKR. You send that request over, the mentor will look at it. If it's a good fit, the mentor will accept it. You get a calendar invitation um, that shows up on your calendar with a video conferencing link. Mm. Uh, we've got a custom video uh, conferencing platform that we've integrated. You have awesome. the session there. You know ask all the questions, like come in with a good list of questions that you have. Yep. And then, you know, don't spend a lot of time on small talk, maybe one minute to talk about the weather and then dive in and start yeah. solving the problems. And then after the call, everybody gets a, 
an email to review each of the mentors, which is a, a, an important part of the cycle is, you know, if it's a great call, you give a good review. If it's not a great call, you give a bad review. And then yep. over time, the best mentors rise to the top. Oh, that's incredible. That's um, it's really impressive on kind of that customer journey is just the automation process that you guys have created with preparing these interviews that's that was my thought from the outside i'm sure listeners thought as well I'm, I'm i was always curious on how does the actual conversation work is it just one-on-one soft talk but no i, I love like the initiatives and the kpis are like set before going into the interview that's amazing um for the future of mentor pass do you see maybe branching away from d to c or not away but expanding some other industries what do you see for kind of the future of mentor pass and mentors bringing on so there will definitely be a time where we have additional verticals. That yeah. time is in the future. It's not right now. Um, yeah. There's, you know, for every every industry you look at, there's, there's probably somewhere between 1% and 2% of that industry that's spent on consulting. Yeah. Um, consulting is about, you know, 1.5% of total GDP. And so if you look at e-commerce, I don't know what the number is, $500 billion, a trillion dollars a year in e-commerce. Yep. About, uh, you know, 1% of that is is addressable consulting spend. So mm. we've got a lot of room to grow before sure. we hit our ceiling in, in e-commerce. Um, so we're just, you know, we're really focused there. We're investing in our community. We're just continuing to try to deliver more value for our, our customers by bringing on more great mentors, bring more value for our mentors by building great features in the product. Um, and then looking at kind of... Um, I guess you call them cross sells, but complementary sets of mentors that will help our existing customer base. Mm. So my big priority right now is building out a couple of new, um, you call them like mini verticals or, or, or skills sections. Yep. One is retail. Uh, right now, everybody in D2C is trying to figure out retail. So we've invested a lot in, in getting the right mentors on board that are the best in the world at, when it comes to advising consumer brands on how to break into retail. So hmm. really exciting. We just brought on um, a guy named Eric Carl, who built out the entire emerging uh, brands program at Target. Wow. So he was on the strategy team at Target for 13 years. He's one of the best retail advisors in the world. And he just joined us and has already booked his first few calls. I think Ronak Shaw was the first one to, to book a call with him because Avi's awesome. pushing into retail now. Yeah. Um, but, but Eric Carl just joined Mike Beckham from simple modern. They're doing uh, really great with retail. Uh, Sean Riley with dude wipes. They're doing yeah. over a hundred million dollars a year with retail. And so now we're really trying to focus on not just driving sales through digital channels, yeah. but looking at retail as a channel. And then obviously omni channel to help, uh, you know, merge those across them. So it's it's not necessarily a new vertical. We're not going into yeah. healthcare. We're not going into banking or crypto or anything like that. We're yep. just trying to figure out what other skills do our customers need. Um, and so retail is the one, and then the other one is obviously AI. Everyone's yeah. trying to figure out AI right now. We've got a great customer success story where where Chris Mead, who's one of our mentors, they've just yep. Uh, rolled out a lot of AI across their customer success. And so he's one of the mentors that's able to talk about that practically in a company that's at relative scale. Yeah. Um, and then we've just brought on product manager that was building AI products at Walmart that were customer facing as well as internal. So mm. one of the biggest commerce businesses in the world and he's building AI products there. Wow. So I'm just constantly trying to understand what are the pain points of our customer base yeah. and how do we help them solve those challenges? Yep. Um, and so that's where my mind is right now, retail and AI. Yeah, I love it. 
Amazing. Well, I like to conclude each episode with this. If you could share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, maybe something you've learned or regret along the way, uh, what would you say that would be? <laughs> it's a great question. I, I just yeah. answered this question in a podcast like a week ago. But oh, I yeah. don't want to give, give the same answer. So I'm <laughs> going to try to think of something, uh, something different here. Um, I, I, I really, I won't want to say a different answer, but I don't think I can because I think the first one that I gave was actually the right answer. And yeah. it's to really focus on your long-term vision and what you want with your life. Um, mm. And so I think that you should really spend some time writing down what you want your life to look like in five or 10 years and get really clear on that. Get down to the details of what does the house look like that you live in? You know, what does it feel like when you wake up in the morning? How are you spending your time? How do you feel? Um, you know, who are you, who are you spending your time with mm. and get really clear on that because so many people go through life aimlessly and yeah. they're, they're making short-term decisions. What's the next best opportunity in front of me? And if you do that your whole entire life, you wake up, you know, a, a, some day in the future and you look back and you say, why am I here? Yeah. Why am I still working this job that I'm unhappy with? So really understand, you know, 10 years from now, I want to wake up when I want. I want to yeah. wake up without an alarm clock. I want to be living at the beach. I want to have my kids jump in my bed and wake me up in the morning. I want my wife or my husband or whatever it may be to be happy and us to live a life without stress. And I want to have, you know, I want to have $3 million in my savings account so I don't have to worry about money. Yeah. Um, and then understand if that's the route that you want, what do you have to do to get there? Mm. And understand that if you're in a place right now, you've got to find a logical path to where you want to be. Yeah. And if you're working a nine to five job and you want to have, you know, you want to have control over your time and you want to be able to spend your time with your kids if you want to, those two things don't lead up to each other. That's yeah. not to say you need to quit your job tomorrow. Yeah. That's to say you need to figure out how much money do you need to save over the next three years with your nine to five job so you have the money to mm -hmm to support yourself for two years while you're getting your business off the ground and yeah. still have five years to figure out how to make money with your business. Yeah. Doesn't all have to happen right away, but you need to understand where do I want to be far into the future? And then let's back into that and say, how do I get there? Um, mm. And so that's, that's, I think been the most important thing for me is really understanding what's most important to me. What are my values? What's my vision and how do I get there? Mm, amazing. Well, Kenny, thank you so much for joining me and to the listeners out there. Make sure to check out MentorPass at MentorPass.co. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small on social platforms and make sure to subscribe to our email so you don't miss anything on Starting Small Summit, more podcast episodes, or our online blog. You can find that link in this description.